Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Even though it's sort of widely expected that the Bank of England might hike again in March, albeit potentially a little bit less than we've seen in the last sort of couple of months, we don't actually expect mortgage rates to rise much further from where they are today, which is, is good news. So what we say is definitely if, if you're struggling, contact your lender straight away and, and see what can be done. This week on the podcast, we're returning to a hot topic that will likely be at the forefront of many of your minds. According to the Office for National Statistics, 1.4 million fixed rate mortgage deals will be coming to an end this year, and 57% of those ending are on rates below 2%. It's a far cry from the mortgage rates we've seen in recent months, which rose to a 14-year high last September. So today, we'll be deep diving into all the latest mortgage offerings and discussing your big questions, including whether rates are dropping, if you should wait and see on a variable rate, how it's affecting renters and first-time buyers, and overpayments versus savings, and really so much more advice along the way. And for this, we've got two brilliant experts joining us, both familiar voices to our regular listeners, which property expert, Joe Wright, and the head of research at Estate Agents Hamptons International, Anisha Beveridge. Hello, both. Hi. Hello. It's nice to be back. Yes, yeah, great to have you both. Uh, well, shall we start then with where rates are at the moment? Joe, rates rocketed in 2022, didn't they? It's something we've talked about on the podcast a lot, also off air. Um, I came to remortgage just after the mini budget last autumn, and I really felt the brunt of it. But now with rates below 4% starting to creep in, it seems like rates are dropping. Are things looking a little bit brighter now? Just yeah, coming to remortgage after straight after the mini budget, isn't exactly uh, my idea of fun. Um, sorry about that. No. Looking at things now, sort of a few months down the line, um, rates are, as you say, coming down from that peak. So if we look at a two-year fix, for example, looking back to uh, sort of October time, November, you'd have been stumping up sort of about 6.5% average rate. But now, February, that stands at about 53 average. So yeah, you've got a, about a one point two percent drop in say three or four months. So so that's positive. That's it's looking bright, um, and we're on that downward trajectory at the moment. Looking at a five year fix, the average rate at the mm-hmm. moment just over five percent. So again, that's a drop. That's a come down from six percent. If you're going to go for a ten year fix, um, 
then just this week, the average has dropped below 5%. So that's also positive news. It is looking brighter, but if you look in the wider picture, take things into perspective, if you look back five, even 10 years, um, then it's quite a sorry state overall because previously you've been looking at, well, looking at getting a 1% deal, 2%, um, and, and now it's it's tripled that. But not to not to end that question on a gloom, you know, it is it's um it is looking brighter than it was um last autumn. Well that is good news. Um and if you're looking for a mortgage deal right now and weighing up your options, you'll probably be wondering, well, what's going to be happening next? So a few weeks ago, we saw the base rate rise for the 10th time in a row to 4%, which is the highest level since the financial crisis in 2008. Anisha, can you first remind us how the base rate affects mortgage rates? And then the big question, do you think there could be another rise on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. So when the Bank of England lends money to commercial high street banks, for example, the interest rate Mm -hmm. that they charge is dictated by the base rate. So these banks then lend to households to fund people's mortgages. And usually they add a premium on top of that rate because they've borrowed, um, because they want to make a little bit of a profit and they want to cover their risk too. So generally when the base rate goes up, banks pay a higher interest to borrow and then that's passed on to mortgage borrowers too. Um, But it's actually a little bit more complicated than that, which it sounds complicated enough anyway, but... (laughs) Commercial banks actually borrow from each other using swap rates. And these are partly based on the Bank of England base rate, but they're also determined by expectations of what will happen to rates in the future. So you may have noticed that even though the Bank of England raised the base rate of interest in December and February, as we were just discussing, mortgage rates have actually come down. Mm. And one of the One of the main reasons behind that is because the outlook for the economy has improved a little bit and markets don't think the Bank of England will have to raise rates too much further in order to temper inflation. So I think even though it's sort of widely expected that the Bank of England might hike again in March, albeit Mm -hmm. potentially a little bit less than we've seen in the last sort of couple of months, we don't actually expect mortgage rates to rise much further from where they are today, which is, is good news. Again, that, that, that is good news. Well, can we go a little bit deeper then into the rates available now? Joe, you published a story for this on witch.co.uk earlier this week, which we'll get into the description of this week's show. So depending on your loan to value and the kind of mortgage available, can you share the top rates going at the moment? Yes, yes, definitely. So yeah, as you mentioned um, at the top, um, we've we've now at last got deals sub 4%. Um, so I think at, at the moment, the best you can get is 3.75%. Um, so that's a far cry from what we had, say, four months ago, when the best deal couldn't even get below 6%. And if we look at, like you say, um, if you've got a different deposits, um, say if you've got a very small deposit, 5% of, of your property's value, um, so you need to get a 95% mortgage. The cheapest rate you could get at the moment that we found is um, 5.35% from Coventry Building Society for a two-year fix. But say if you want to get one from a um, big high street bank, then Halifax uh, is next with Mm -hmm. 5.45%. Say if you want to get a five-year fix, so if you want that added bit of security, you can 
get a deal for 4.78% from Yorkshire Building Society. If you've got a small deposit, then best deal you're sort of looking for is sort of the mid 5% range for a two-year fix and high 4% range for a five-year fix. And if we jump all the way up to the other end of the scale, so if you've got a hefty deposit, you can say if you can put down 40% of your property's value. So you're getting a 60% LTV and you're going on to a two-year fix, then platform and cooperative bank, which um, both uh, run together, uh, you can get a 4.15% deal. And then here, if you get a five-year fix, then interestingly, this is where the sub 4% deal comes into play. So platform and co-op, again, it's 3.75%. The link in the description of this podcast, um, if you click on that story, then the tables uh, in that which.co.uk story, they have the best deals available from all the banks and building societies for different deposits. So if if you've got a 60%, 75%, 80%, they cater for everyone there, first-time buyers or home movers so yeah definitely listeners if you um if you're in need of a mortgage and want to find the best deal then um take a look at that story um it's also we update it every monday um and it also highlights the cheapest deals with no upfront fees as well my next question then it it requires a little bit more future gazing again so for anyone thinking how long should i fix my mortgage for so a longer fix might be more attractive at a slightly lower rate right now but then in two years could your broker get you a much better deal anisha what's your advice here Gosh, it's a really hard one. And a lot of it Mm. does come down to sort of individuals' financial circumstances and the types of mortgage deals that will will be available to them. I think generally the expectation is that the Bank of England will have to start cutting interest rates, possibly towards the end of this year, if not early in 2024. So the idea really is that rates should start to come down in the meantime. and that sort of underpins the reasoning as to, to why rates on two-year fixes um, are a little bit higher than those available on five-year fixes at the moment. But for me, actually, I think the bigger trade-off at the moment is between a variable and a five-year fix, or perhaps even a 10-year fix, as Joe was saying, because some of those deals are looking very competitive at the moment. And actually, Anisha, I've seen quite a few people in the news and online coming up to remortgage, saying they want to wait and stick it out to see if rates lower. So is this a good idea? What would your advice be for anyone considering waiting on a variable rate or opting for a tracker, which may appear cheaper now? Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest benefits of of choosing a fixed rate is that it gives you that security in knowing what you'll be paying out every month. Yeah. And that's so important to a lot of people, particularly in tough times like this, when when people are budgeting. Um, But that said, variable rates have been looking very competitive and um, that gap has started to close a little bit more recently between sort of variable rates and fixed rates because we've seen the base rate rise. Um, But it's still quite big. So I think it really comes back to your general expectations about where you think rates might go. And it seems likely that we might see one or two further interest rate hikes um, from the Bank of England in the months to come. But then we think they might start cutting towards the end of this year and into 2024. So if you choose a variable rate, you might see your payments rise in the short term. 
but potentially come down again towards the end of the year. But yeah, the good news is that, like we've been talking about today, for the first time since the mini budget, we've now got some lenders offering sub 4% rates predominantly on five-year fixes. And that should help support affordability for those either remortgaging or, or looking to buy a home. And I think that's kind of closing the trade-off between the two. So perhaps it's not quite such a big decision that people need to worry about as much now. And while we're on this, for anyone struggling with mortgage repayments, can, can we touch on the help available? Um, you know, mortgage holidays was a term many people became familiar with during the pandemic. Joe, is this something lenders would consider now? Mortgage holidays were a big thing um, during COVID. Um, I think almost two million people sort of took a break in their payments um, during peak COVID. So they could take a break for three months or um, three months at a time, um, up to a maximum of six months. But fast forward to now, non-COVID related payment holidays, they can still be taken if you're, if you're struggling, but they vary depending on the lender. If you, if you need to, then definitely if you're struggling, we advise to contact your lender straight away, regardless of whether you're a major, major bank or a smaller building society, they should be willing to offer you support. There's, there's different options that could be potentially be taken. A mortgage holiday, um, that'll involve you uh, pausing your repayments for a set period of time, but those missed payments will then be added to your existing loan. So you'll be paying more interest in the long run, which obviously will rack up over time. You could also uh, switch to interest-only payments. That'll mean you pay just the interest on your mortgage rather than the capital amount for a set period of time. Mm -hmm. Again, missed payments will be added to your loan at the end of your break. Um, So again, you will be paying more in the long run. Also, extending the term of your mortgage Mm -hmm. um, to reduce your monthly payments could be an option. Um, To say if you've got 25 years left on your mortgage, you could up that to 30. Um, But depending on the lender, that may or may not be a thing. Um, you need to have sort of a stable income for that to nail down. Definitely, if, if you're struggling, contact your lender straight away and, and see what can be done. Thanks, Joe. Really valuable advice there. And now then, there was an article earlier this month on the BBC that I'd just like to give a quick mention to. Um, so it's about a couple buying in Scotland and it raises an issue I don't think we've ever touched on before on the show. So if you're buying and you've had to bid over the asking price, as you often hear happens, in Scotland, your mortgage provider will only lend based on the value of the property and what's called the home report, not the amount you actually paid. Anisha, can you unpack this a little bit? Is this only happening in Scotland? And does it mean that first-time buyers in Scotland could have to stump up a lot more cash for their deposit? Yeah, I have to admit, I'm I'm not an expert on the Scottish system here, but it is a sort of general issue across the board in that lenders will generally only lend any type of buyer up to what the valuation of the property that they they put on. Mm. But we do know that sort of undervaluations can be more of a problem in both a heated market and Mm. a a really, really sluggish market. So, for example, at the peak of the market in in May last year, we know that 44% of homes sold in Great Britain were subject to a bidding war. Mm. So that's where there were more than three parties bidding for that property. And at that time in England and Wales, where the system differs slightly, 41% of homes were selling above their asking price. And, And like you said, Lucia, in Scotland, that's more common because of their system. So... 
there are unfortunately times, although certainly not the majority of times, where you might agree a price to buy a property at, a property at, but when the lender actually comes to value it, they might not think it's worth that much, and that limits what they're what what they're willing to lend to you at. Um, and while it's a horrible situation to be in, I think the good news is hopefully really is that generally it's not overly common. Well, that is good to hear, but it, it really does increase the pressure on first-time buyers, doesn't it? You know, we we already know it's it's so difficult given the costs of living crisis and sky-high rent costs. And if your landlords buy-to-let mortgage repayments are going up too, this could well be added to your rent. Joe, what's been happening to rent prices in recent months? As you can probably predict, um, rent prices, like everything else, have gone up. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so if we look at... Um, data from well if we look at data from Anisha's firm Hamptons which they released uh, I think earlier this month they show uh, sort of the average rent um, across Great Britain average rents have gone up 8.3 percent um, compared to this time last year just look at what that means sort of by monthly payments so if you look at Great Britain excluding London the average rent in January this year was 987 pounds um, compared with January 2022, it was £914. So it's a £73 increase. So yeah, it's a, that's, 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 a big, that's a big amount in a year. Interestingly, they've, the Hamptons have broken it down by region um, and the Midlands is where we have the biggest year-on-year increase. Um, it's 11, 11.2% rise just in the space of 12 months. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a hefty climb um, mm. and in, a, in the midst of a cost of living crisis, and, well, it's, it's not good news at all for, for tenants. On the flip side of things, um, Scotland's introduced a rent freeze uh, in September last year. Landlords haven't been able to hike rent prices up north in Scotland, um, but that freeze will be turned into a 3% cap in April. Landlords, they obviously they're increasing rents, but they they kind of sort of having to because their um, buy to let mortgage rates are, are also rocketing. Uh, well, they mm-hmm. have rocketed and they're now coming down slightly. Um, but buy to let mortgages are pricier than residential mortgages. So obviously, yeah. everyone knows how great an issue residential mortgages have been in the past few months, and buy to let landlords have that. But multiplied, um, I think the average rate for buy-to-let is about 6%. So it's about 1% more than um, than residential mortgages. And Anisha, have you seen this having an effect on the number of first-time buyers taking out a mortgage and getting on the ladder? Yeah, absolutely. It certainly, I think rising rates are punishing first-time buyers more than any, any other buyer group. Um, and when we saw sort of rates hit that sort of six six percent mark in um, October November time, that our first time buyer numbers dropped off quite considerably. Um, but as rates have started to calm down and, and cool down a little bit in recent months, we have started to see the, their numbers rise. So so far this year, first time buyers have bought twenty eight percent of homes sold in Great Britain, which is up from twenty five percent in in Q four last year. And actually, mm. despite um, higher interest rates, they're buying more homes than they were this time last year. And I think really that highlights the appetite from first-time buyers, if anything. So I think there's this sort of almost um, myth-busting thing that it will completely cut first-time buyers out. But 
I think for many, once they've built up that deposit, they really want to go on and buy a home. So instead of um, buying the, a larger home that they mm. sort of wished for, we think that many are sort of just downsizing a little bit just to get on the housing ladder. So um, yeah, it's really interesting times, but a lot of first-time buyers do seem to be adapting adapting quite quickly to these changes. Well, that is good to hear. Um, and to close then, there's just one quite big question actually that I'd like to cover off and that's on mortgage overpayments versus savings. Now, obviously with the cost of living crisis continuing to bite, it will be much harder for many of us to save in the first place. But if you do manage to set any money aside, you want it to be working as hard as possible for you. So given savings rates are the best we've seen in a long time, we actually did an episode solely on savings earlier this month. So do go back and have a listen to that if you haven't already. If you do have even a small amount to spare, is it worth making overpayments to your mortgage? And how much of a difference could that make? In a nutshell, Lucia, it is worth overpaying on your mortgage um, if, if you can. Right. Um, because, well, um, because as you say, interest rates are high. Um, and obviously you're paying back a lot in interest each month on your mortgage. Obviously, the average at the moment, like we said, about 5.3% for a two-year fix. So that's a lot of a lot of extra cash you're having to cough up each month. So if you can overpay, if you've got that extra bit of cash laying around, then um, it's definitely worth doing so. We did a story on it um, on which uh, last week highlighting sort of different lump sums and how much difference that could make overall to your to your savings on your mortgage. Um, so just just for an example, say if you if you have 25 years left on your £200,000 mortgage um, and you're on an interest rate of 5.3, which is the average at the moment. Um, so if you've got a lump sum of two and a half grand and you just put that down and you could save over 25 years, say if you if you stayed on that average rate for all those years, which obviously you're not going to, but if you did, um, you could save almost £7,000 in interest. So that is a big sum just for two and a half grand. Mm. Um, and that would cut off seven months on your overall mortgage term. But say if you had £10,000 um, to put down um, in interest, that could save you £25,000 in interest. If you can overpay just even little amounts, say if you put £10 in extra a month um, and you're on that same deal um, for the for the next 25 years, which you aren't going to be, but just theoretically, if you were um, £10 extra a month, you'd save over £3,000 in interest. You just need to make sure if you, if you do have a lot of spare cash um, and you are thinking of overpaying, then you just need to be wary of um, early repayment charges. Because um, if you, if you uh, say, overpay by over 10% each year, then your lender um, can incur a penalty. Um, which you don't really want to be doing. So yeah, just be mindful of that. But that's it's quite rare to instigate that. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, if you can overpay, then it seems at the moment, especially of high interest rates, it could be quite a savvy thing to do. There are some other options available depending on whether people are in the middle of a, a, a lower rate fixed rate deal as well. So there will be a number of households out there who um, were the lucky ones, shall we say, who managed to get those five-year fixes at the, the bottom of the rate market early last year and, and um, the previous year, who will probably only be paying 1% to 1.5% on their mortgage. 
And for those sorts of households, you can earn more money now by putting those, those savings into a savings account rather than paying back your mortgage. So for some people, it might be beneficial and not all the time, but actually to rather than actually pay back your mortgage on a monthly basis, actually put that money in a savings account where you would effectively be earning a higher rate of interest. But you also need to um, look at taxation and, and things like that. That's the, that all needs considering too. A huge thank you to Joe and Anisha for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money Podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly and edited by Rob with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.